Welcome to McKnight's Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information from industry leaders. Hi, I'm Danielle Brown, staff writer for McKnight's Long-Term Care News. On today's Newsmakers Podcast, we're here to talk about the SNF Prospective Payment System proposed rule for fiscal 2023 and the effects it could have on nursing homes. Joining me today is Robin Hillier. Robin is a healthcare executive dedicated to post-acute and long-term care. Her titles include being a certified public accountant, state-tested nursing assistant, and licensed nursing home administrator. She's also the president of RLH Consulting, which provides operational and reimbursement consulting to multiple provider types, including SNFs. Thank you so much for joining me, Robin. Thanks, Danielle. I'm such a fan of the McKnight's podcast, and it's my honor to be with you today. Awesome. So let's jump right into things. The big thing that caught the entire industry's attention was the resulting net pay cuts of the proposed rule. Um, as a reimbursement expert, was this a surprise given the conversations CMS has had regarding pay and PDPM over the last year? Well, this really was not a surprise to me. Um, as one of the people who was involved in training the profession when PDPM was first coming in, we did caution providers that there was a likelihood that CMS wouldn't have the calculations exactly right and that the uh, transition of PDPM would either result in the profession being underpaid or overpaid and there would probably be an adjustment needed. Uh, fortunately, in the long run, in the big picture, it turns out that the uh, transition was an overpayment. Um, And I think we expected that. Furthermore, last year, CMS put in their proposed rule that they thought a parity adjustment was probably required of about 5%, although they ultimately decided to delay it due to the um, state of the industry. Mm -hmm. So I think that, um, you know, if I had any surprise this year, it was a slight pleasant surprise that it was uh, lower than 5% that was being proposed. Interesting. Um, So in your opinion, has there been an overreaction to the cuts or are providers rightfully concerned about the potential impacts they may have? So when I when I think about this question, it would make me laugh if it weren't such a serious topic, because this is one of those cases where I think both of these things could be true. And let me try to explain that to you. The real problem with a proposed cut is that it's happening in the crisis environment that the profession is currently in. So certainly providers um, are are right to be concerned about any reduction in reimbursement, given the tremendous financial challenges that we're facing with the labor shortage and trying to recover from the pandemic. So to answer the second part of your question first, I completely understand the provider uh, community's reaction to the proposed cut. I guess on the flip side, if I were to be able to have the luxury of thinking about the proposed rule in a vacuum, that is outside of understanding the current environment that the profession is in, um, a net reduction of 0.7% because, of course, we have a market basket increase of 3.9 combined with a parity adjustment of a negative 4.6. So the resulting net cut to the profession is 0.7%. And in the big picture, that's a lot of money coming out of the profession. But I think when providers think about their own operations, if you have an average Medicare daily rate of $500 a day, a 0.7% cut is really only $3.50. 
Now, again, in our environment today, any cut is, is a challenge. Um, but, um, the 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 way things played out where the proposed parity adjustment came down from what CMS thought it might be last year combined with a higher market basket increase, the resulting net cut in and of itself is frankly not my biggest concern of everything that's in the rule. Now that you've sat with the rule for a little while, what do you think providers' next course of action should be? You know, how should they respond to all of this? Well, um, I definitely recommend that people take the opportunity to provide comment to CMS. Even though CMS indicates in the rule that they don't think there's a need to um, phase in the parity adjustment, um, you know, I think most parts of the provider community intend to comment and ask for a phase in where we would not take the whole 4.6% parity adjustment in one year. In fact, we could ask and, and provide some information about how our facilities are struggling and request that they think about phasing that parity adjustment in over potentially two or three years. Um, I also think that there are some other things in the rule that providers might want to comment as well on. But finally, I think providers should also take this opportunity to prepare for the worst, right? So like hope for the best and prepare for the worst mm -hmm. and start taking a look now because your facility specific average Medicare rate is probably not the $500 I used in my example. And of course, how badly this would affect you has also a lot to do with how much Medicare Part A utilization your own center has. So I think providers should be taking this opportunity to prepare to take this full cut this year, even if they're going to comment that they'd like to see it phased in and truly look at their own facility based on what their average PDPM rate is and their Medicare utilization, what would the proposed cut actually mean to them? And, and uh, certainly include that in your comments that you make to CMS, but also, and, and again, I know we're in a challenging time, so this is much easier said than done, mm -hmm. but start trying to think about ways now that if this cut is implemented on October 1st, that you might be able to adjust to that. And just one, because I try really hard to be like my great friend, Brian Perry, who tries to be uh, an eternal optimist. You know, one of the things that we're currently going through in the profession is lower than historic census. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there continue to be projections of much larger numbers of people needing our services over the next five to seven years. You know, potentially there's an opportunity that as our census starts to rebound, an increase in Medicare census could help offset some of the revenue that might be lost if the cut fully is implemented. Mm -hmm. Um, just to follow up on that, do you think there is even a remote possibility that CMS will phase in the cuts in any type of way? Again, I like to be an optimist, and CMS did ask for comment. Mm -hmm. I think if CMS were 100% opposed to a phase in, 
um, they would have just announced that they were going to implement the parity adjustment and would not have asked for comment. Um, so do I think there is a remote possibility? I think there is a remote possibility. If you asked me if I think it's highly likely that we won't take the cut, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> um, but I do think that there is there is some possibility of a phase in or CMS would not have invited comments on that aspect. Okay. Um, so even with the parity adjustment, is there still a pathway for providers to take advantage of PDPM and, and you know, and come out on top um, like they have in the past? You know, Danielle, I am still a huge fan of PDPM. Um, first of all, I think it, it helps us to keep in mind that the reason why this parity adjustment is being proposed is because PDPM did turn out to pay us more than what we were getting paid under the rug system. Mm -hmm. And I do understand that a lot of providers leading into PDPM were concerned that that was not going to be the case. So the reason we have a parity adjustment at all is because PDPM is, from a provider perspective, a better reimbursement system. I also think that providers benefited tremendously that PDPM was in place during the pandemic because PDPM recognized the increased acuity that we had, for instance, as people needed isolation when they became infected with COVID. And PDPM also didn't penalize us as the rug system would have if we were unable to provide as much therapy during the COVID uh, pandemic. So I do still think that even though this cut that's being proposed this year is painful, I do still think that PDPM is a better, more rational reimbursement methodology. And I do think that providers will continue to see the value of it in the coming years and its ability to adjust as the acuity of our population changes. Awesome. Um, are there um, any other major threats included in the proposed rule that you think isn't getting enough attention from the industry? Well, I'm, I'm not going to go so far as to say I don't think it's getting enough attention. Yeah. I will word it that when I read the entire proposed rule, the thing that I was the most concerned about in it is the request for information about um, thoughts about um, mandating minimum staffing levels. Yeah. So I, I certainly want to encourage providers to comment to CMS about, you know, real-time information, how difficult it is to attract staff that, you know, mandating a, a minimum staffing level isn't going to make bodies mysteriously appear to fill those mandated positions. Um, one of the challenges I think CMS has, at least one of the challenges we have when we try to understand CMS, is that CMS can really only look at backward-facing data. CMS, for instance, the most recent uh, cost reports that have been filed with CMS are probably for calendar year 2020 or fiscal year ends, um, you know, maybe through mid-2021. Providers are sitting at their desks today understanding how bleak the situation is in the first half of 2022. So I think the way we view our environment as it relates to staffing and our financial challenges is through an entirely different lens that CMS has not yet fully had the opportunity to see 
because the data hasn't caught up yet, the data they have access to. So I really encourage providers to submit comments on the proposed um, idea of a mandated uh, staffing ratio and that they provide concrete examples about how many positions they currently have open in their facility, efforts that they're undertaking to try to fill the positions that are currently open. And, and through our comments, we can sort of bridge that gap where CMS is looking at how we looked a year to 18 months ago, and we need to help them understand how the staffing situation is today and how mandating minimum staffing is kind of a ludicrous idea in our current, you know, historic staffing shortage. Yeah, I think that's a great, a great point, especially since CMS has made it very clear they intend to put out some type of um, rule or, or regulation within the next year. Absolutely. Robin, just another question for you. As the commenting period moves forward, do you anticipate CMS adjusting or changing anything once the rule is finalized? Or do you think this is pretty much, um, it, it probably looks like the final product? You know, if you would have asked me this question a year ago, I would have told you that I have worked in the profession longer than I'm going to admit on this podcast. <laughs> and typically when CMS issues a proposed rule, I have almost always in my career told people, don't waste your time providing comments because historically, CMS never deviated from a proposed rule in the final rule. However, we have had two fairly recent examples where CMS has responded to our comments. As everyone fully remembers last year, CMS proposed a 5% parity adjustment, mm -hmm. and we were able to get it delayed entirely for a year. Mm -hmm. And for people who've worked in the profession a little longer, prior to PDPM, CMS did propose an alternative payment system that was called the Resident Classification System, or RCS. Mm -hmm. The provider community had significant concerns about RCS as it was proposed. And based on the feedback that they got from our comments, RCS was dramatically improved before it was re-proposed as PDPM. So I think we have some recent um, history that demonstrates that CMS is open to considering the feedback they get and potentially making some adjustments between the proposed rule and the final rule. I am very involved personally with the American Healthcare Association, mm -hmm. and they, as I'm sure the other uh, associations that represent our profession are doing as well, are providing extensive comments about other technical aspects of the calculation that potentially CMS could also look at tweaking. So I, I do think there is some possibility that the, the final rule that we end up seeing at the end of July or August is at least a tiny bit improved over the proposed rule that we have before us today. And that would make those provider comments all the more important. Yeah, I, I, if there's one wrap-up comment I have is there's never been, in, in my recollection, a more important time for providers to take the time to provide comments on this proposed rule. CMS, I think, is showing lots of signals that they are 
interested in trying to understand what the profession is going through. And as I just said a few minutes ago, I think providers really do need to understand the challenge CMS has, that they don't have access to the real-time data that we live with every day. And the best way that you can bridge that gap is by providing them with information through your comments. And I think CMS has signaled their willingness to try to truly understand what we're going through. And I think if we all do provide relevant, meaningful, um, detailed comments about our current staffing situation, I do think that they want to do whatever they can to help us. Wow, Robin, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your insight you provided us with today. Thanks so much, Danielle. For McKnight's, I'm Danielle Brown. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in long-term care, senior living, and home care news, visit mcknights.com.